Hello, welcome to the video. My name is Mark, and today we're going to be talking about the age-old question, can money buy you happiness? Now, obviously, if you are watching this video, you're an investor of some nature, either interested in being an investor or you currently are. And there's probably two main reasons that you want to invest. One is because you want to become filthy rich. And I'm guessing if you're a younger investor, uh, that's probably an objective. You just want to make a ton of money. You want to live a lavish lifestyle and one day maybe retire or probably retire earlier than you otherwise be able to do so if you didn't invest your money. Or perhaps you are an older investor and you've already invested over the years and you are comfortable. Your goal is to be comfortable in retirement, just to not have all the worries and the stresses of day-to-day -day life. Um, that's a good objective too. In my career, I worked with many people. Uh, I worked with people with no money, very little money, uh, when I started in the business. In fact, when I started, I had very little money. I've also worked with people with a ton of money. I've worked with people with millions of dollars. Where are you on this spectrum? Are you younger and not yet rich? Or are you older and rich? Or are you older and you know, maybe not rich yet, but wondering uh, at what point would I have enough money to make me happy? We're gonna cover that off today in sort of a, uh, we're gonna look at a few studies that actually measure happiness. But before we do that, I'm gonna say, I'd like to know before you watch the evidence what your thoughts are. Can money make you happy? I'm gonna ask you to pause the video just for a second and leave a comment. Just a simple yes or no would be great or maybe leave a comment yes because or no because or I'm not sure. But before you look at all the evidence, where are you at today? And then we're gonna compare that to after we've looked at the study. So hit the pause button for a quick second and we'll be right back. So let's start with two fundamental questions. Does money make you happy? And if so, how much money do you need to be happy? So we're going to start with a definition of what rich is. So the Cambridge, and we're going to talk here only rich as far as money is concerned. There's all kinds of other ways you can be rich as well, but we're talking specifically from a financial perspective right now. The Cambridge Dictionary defines uh, rich as having a lot of money or valuable possessions. We're taught uh, at a young age, we're taught that the, the fairy tale stories, you know, the, the rich equals the happiness and there's princes and princesses and, you know, everybody lives these glamorous lives with bags of money lying around and, and really not a care in the world. And you would think, well, that they must be happy. Um, and you know, that kind of makes some sense. My definition of rich from a financial perspective isn't necessarily having a ton of money, but it's having enough money that you can live day to day, week to week, month to month, without having to worry about the basic necessities in life and have enough of a, of a buffer there that um, you're not worried that that's all just gonna go poof and, and, and disappear. So to answer the question, can money buy happiness? Now, I would argue that money by itself, it, it can't, it won't make you happy. And I'm gonna give you a few examples to sort of illustrate that point. Now, let's start with pro athletes. Now, pro athletes, as we know, generally make a ton of money. They are wealthy, they make millions or tens of millions of dollars. You know, they sign contracts where they're making 20, 30, or I think there's even somewhere they're making $40 million a year. So you would expect that having that much money would bring you happiness. Well, the National Bureau of Economic Research has uh, studied this and they say that 78% of NFL players and 60% of NBA basketball players actually experience financial difficulty after they've retired. About 16% uh, of these athletes actually declare bankruptcy once they're no longer in the business. And that just, 
it, it blows my mind that uh, someone with that much money could experience financial difficulties um, or certainly declare, declare, declare bankruptcy. Now, I'm guessing that if you're going to bankruptcy or if you're experiencing financial difficulties, uh, you're not happy. So in that example, I would say, no, I don't think money does buy your happiness. Now, another um, cohort of people would be lottery winners. Again, same concept. You win a, a big chunk of money and your world has changed forever and that surely will bring you happiness. Well, I would say a sudden influx of money can bring you stuff. It can bring you um, some excitement. It can bring you some adventures, but probably not happiness. According to Forbes magazine, about 44% of large lottery winners go broke within five years, and about a third of this cohort actually declares bankruptcy. Uh, gee, again, going bankrupt, I'm assuming, does not make you happy. Let's look at one more group called celebrities. Now, Rich people uh, are admired. You know, we look up to them, we idolize them, and they have the boats, the cars, the the women, the men, you know, whatever you want, essentially, that you think would make you happy, you're going to have that. Now, um, I would say rich people also have their fair share of problems. I mean, there's divorces, there's um, health issues that, you know, money can't make you help. There's drug addiction. There's a lot of stress that comes along with being a celebrity. And we think of the royal family. I'm, I'm sure the royal family is quite wealthy. And yet look at all the problems and the stress that they go through. Uh, certainly they would not be happy. I read an article recently that said that Kim Kardashian and Kanye West were actually locking horns. Now I'm, I'm thinking, gee, if you're to the point in your marriage where you're locking horns, all the money in the world won't make you happy. Let's spend a few minutes and look at some principles, or what I would call money principles. I want to start by saying money itself will never be enough. Um, you know, you once you reach a, a certain level of money, very few people are happy with that level. Now, if you're starting off, I, I don't get me wrong, I believe in having targets. But if you're starting off as an investor and you say, you know, my target is to just to save or to invest and grow to $10,000, well, that's a great target to have. If you're at 10,000, maybe set your target for 25 or whatever the case may be. If you're looking years down the road and you say, I need to retire, I need you know, $50,000 worth of income in retirement in order to generate that, my, the, the nest egg I have to come up with, my target is X. Let's say it's a million dollars or $2 million. That's a good thing. However, when people get to a target, it generally is never enough. If your target is 10,000, well, yeah, you want to get to 15 or 20. But even if your target is $2 million, you think that would be enough for most people to live on in retirement. Trust me, when you get to 2 million, you want that to go up to 2.5 million. If you get to 5 million, you want that to continue to go up. Very few people are happy having reached that target and just leaving it at that. I would say money is a tool, but not a destination. The money gives you all kinds of privileges, if you will. It gives you the ability to not worry about things like, you know, where the next meal is coming from. You can, you can have more possessions, but it's a tool, not a destination. You have to always, I would say, keep focused on the purpose that money will serve, not money in and of itself. I would also say that money comes and goes. You know, you can't let money define you. If you do, well, you're going to live by that definition. So I guess if you have a lot of money, you're going to feel, well, you know, I'm, I'm happy. But that money can go. And we've heard of lots of cases, even people who don't mismanage money. It could be a health crisis or it could be, you know, any number of things where your fortune, if you will, can disappear. And if you're relying on that to define who you are, well, you're in for a pretty hard fall when, when things turn south on that regard. So always keep in mind that money can't define you. 
um, it just it has to be again a, a, a means to an end. Money at the end of the day can't change how you feel about yourself temporarily. Sure, and I've seen this. I've I've worked with wealthy people who um, have gotten a little ahead of themselves and felt that this money made them special. But at the end of the day, you're no more special than anybody else. You just have more resources, so it gives you more opportunities. But um, it doesn't define who you are, and you always have to live within that reality of you as a person. Keeping up with the Joneses is something that we've always, you know, it's always been around, and I guess it always will be. I'm hoping that maybe you can take something out of this video and enjoy and appreciate the money, but don't always compare yourself because there's always going to be someone who's richer. You know, there's only one person in the world at any given time who's the richest person, and that even fluctuates depending on what the markets are doing in that particular day. So look at your needs and don't compare yourself to what a bunch of other people have. Let's measure wealth. Now there's two different main measurements that we can look at when we're looking at, am I wealthy? First of all, we can look at income and then we can look at assets or, or net worth. Now income is temporary in nature. Income is something that you earn on an ongoing basis uh, if you have a job or it can be uh, passive income that you earn from having accumulated enough net worth. So let's look first at income and see how much income do we need to be happy well in a 2010 study by the department of psychological sciences at purdue university um, a study that was based on uh, a 1.7 million population so 1.7 million people were studied across 164 countries the average was determined to be about $77,500. If you have income as an individual of $77,500 in, let's call it your local currency, you tend to be happy. Now, $95,000 was the ideal income level to create happiness, and sixty dollars to $75,000 was a category that they said would be, you know, what they called emotional well-being. Once you're accumulating that much money, you're not worrying about the necessities of, night, uh, of life. Now, most people would be happy to earn some more money, but you're in a state where you're not panicking and you don't have to worry, you know, as I said earlier, sort of about the, the, the mundane things of life like eating and shelter and, and all those types of things. Any increases after that tend to become associated with a reduced life satisfaction and a, actually a lower level of well-being. And this is a bit odd because you think the more money you make, the, the, the more you would be satisfied. But the studies show that that's not necessarily the case. And a quote from the study says, this may be because money is important for meeting basic needs, purchasing conveniences, and maybe even loan repayments, but to a point. So after the optimal point uh, of needs is met, people may be driven by such desires such as pursuing more material gains or engaging in social comparisons, which could ironically lower well-being. More money doesn't mean you're going to have a greater degree of happiness, at least when we look at uh, the, the topic of income. There's, there seems to be a diminishing returns and in fact, as we've seen, can even make you unhappy. One of the, the big things that I've experienced is comparing yourself to others. Just you know, focus on your own situation. Um, be content. Be grateful, I would say, for the income that you're earning, uh, regardless of what that is, and don't always be looking to compete with you know, the guy down the street. There's, there is a flip side to that too. And some people compare themselves to lower earning people or to poorer people. And uh, I would argue that be grateful that you're earning a higher income, but that doesn't really make you a better person or compared to someone who's um, earning a little bit less. So let's look now at assets. So look at net worth. So how much is enough? 
Um, there comes a point, like an in interest or like an income, there comes a point of diminishing returns. Now, a study that I found very interesting was done by the Spectrum Group in 2019. And it says that money can make you feel happier, yes, but again, to a point. This study looked at 700 wealthy investors and they set out a happiness scale of zero to 100. So in the 100,000 to $500,000 of net worth range, 63.8%, or sorry, the average score that was given was about 63.8 on the happiness scale. So let's assume 50 is sort of moderately happy, uh, more than moderately happy, but in the 64% range. Now, if we jump up to a band in the 10 million to $15 million range, at that point, about 77% of the people said that they were felt that they were healthy. So there's a, I would say, a significant jump uh, when you go from you know half a million up to the 10 to 15 million dollar range. Now, interestingly, when you jumped up to the 15 to 25 million dollar range, about 72% said that they uh, were happy. So you could actually say here that having too much money um, negatively impacted happiness. One of the major things that people looked at was the relationship that they had with their children. And this is obviously critical. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of viewers of this channel who are the next generation. So we're talking about your parents here, but there's um, a there there is a, a challenge. There's a dilemma that uh, that adults who have accumulated wealth have. And and I've experienced this, uh, you know, directly as a as an advisor uh, over my career. And there's this. There's this, uh, what would I call it, a dilemma, I suppose, or this choice that people have to make. Most people who have accumulated wealth do want, they have a general, genuine, uh, genuine interest in passing that wealth down to their, um, to their survivors, to their, their heirs. However, there is a, um, there's a, there's a imbalance in the two objectives of one, making sure I have enough money now to you know, live the rest of my days in the lifestyle I like, and passing it down. And I've had occasion where I've had to essentially counsel clients who have been on that bubble. They're not extreme, extremely wealthy where they will um, not, you know, have no worries about ever spending their money. Just enough that they are in the comfort zone, but their desire to help out their children today would actually jeopardize that uh, that scenario. So there, it, it kind of adds stress as a wealthy individual when you're looking at um, the, this decision between do you pass money down today or do you wait until it's time for, for an inheritance. Now, I'm gonna look at another side of the argument of this debate. I'm gonna look at a Harvard Business School study that was done in 2018 by researchers Grant Donnelly and Michael Norton. Now, they studied 4,000 millionaires and they had a more modest scale. Instead of one to 100 like the previous study, they had a scale of uh, one to 10. So how happy are you are based on number one to 10. And they asked the question, um, in general, how much more money would you need to go from where you are today up to a 10? And the, the answers were basically, most people said they needed two to three times as much wealth that they had. So in other words, if you had a million dollars today, they felt they needed two or $3 million to be happy, to go up to a 10 in happiness. Um, if they had 5 million, they felt that they needed to go up to 10 or 15 million to be happy. Now, those numbers don't, ma don't match up. A millionaire needs to go to two or three, but a five needs to go to 10 or 15. So um, that tells you something about human nature and it tells you that we are rarely satisfied. Going back to kind of what I said earlier, there's this number that when you get to a certain target, you always want more. I think this is a really good example of how that comes into play in a case like this. I would argue that at a certain point, 
Uh, once you have sufficient money to provide for your retirement, another million doesn't like doesn't make anything more affordable. You can't go and buy a whole bunch of new cars. Well, you could, but you're not going to get any benefit from that. So you know the next the next uh, notch up is not going to change your lifestyle um, in a, in a positive way. This study had a bit of a contrast to the previous one, and this said that when you get to ten million dollars, you actually have a moderately higher happiness level than those with 1 million to 2 million. So the previous study said that there's a diminishing return once you get to a certain point. In fact, this study, it says the opposite. It says that you do feel a little bit happier, but I would say moderate. You know, there's a modest increase. It's not going to make you, uh, you know, if you have, if you go from 10 million to 11 million, it's not going to make you a whole bunch um, happier, but it it will modestly uh, affect that. So let's ask the question here, why would rich not equal happiness? I mean, this is kind of back to where we started. What do the rich people worry about? And I've had firsthand experience of working with people who are wealthy, and I've seen the worries and the concerns. Another study um, by the Spectrum Group studied affluent people, and I believe the, well, I don't remember what the metrics were, but millionaires, and 20% of the ultra high net worth uh, investors, so this is in the five to $25 million range, are concerned about running out of money. Now, I know that's pretty hard to imagine that if you have $25 million, you'd actually be concerned about running out of money. And 20% of this group um, does share that concern. What are the concerns? Well, a number one um, is healthcare. Now, clearly, um, if you have accumulated this much money, you're probably going to be older unless you won the lottery, which we know then there's a good chance you're going to go bankrupt. So let's assume that you've done the right things over years. You've collected a whole bunch of money or you've saved up a whole bunch of money. Um, healthcare becomes an issue as you get older. And that is a concern that, um, that a lot of people share when they think about running out of money. Another challenge that you have today in today's environment when you've accumulated a lot of money is the low interest rates that we are living in today and maintaining the lifestyle. So once you've gotten used to a certain lifestyle, it's really hard to step back, regardless of what level you're at today. Every time you take a step forward, you don't really want to come back down and and the you know the wealthy people um, have generally more costly lifestyles. And I think back to when I started in the business, just as a quick example, interest rates were roughly, let's say in the 10% or even a little bit higher, but let's use 10% as an example. If you retired at that point with a half a million dollars in investments, that would buy you $50,000 a year worth of income. So you could kind of comfortably count on that and you could you know set your lifestyle to that. Well, what happened during my career, and and we're seeing it today with interest rates being so much lower, is today that same half a million dollars would buy you around five to $10,000 in income. So you can see if you have lived and you've gotten used to having a $50,000 a year income in retirement, and all of a sudden you're now in the five to $10,000 worth of income, you really can see how that affects uh, your lifestyle and probably uh, your degree of happiness there as well. Another issue to think of is the high net worth tend to spend more. Um, You know, it's sort of the same equation as normal people, but with uh, just larger numbers. The the costs that that high net worth people tend to have, it's not uncommon that you would have more than one residence. That's quite common. Uh, Often you'd have, say, a cottage, that type of thing. Travel uh, is something that you probably tend to do more if you have the ability to do it. Um, even things like upkeep on those properties that you have is going to cost you a lot of money. You're going to have perhaps gardeners. You're going to have a pool boy. Um, there's a lot of things that, uh, again, you become accustomed to 
that make you happy, or at least they seem to make you happy. So worrying, this goes back to sort of the 20% of people worry about losing money. It's, I'm not sure they worry about losing all their money, but they worry about losing enough money that they can't maintain their current lifestyle. Lastly, I'm going to talk about errors. I did touch on this earlier, and wealthy people have mixed objectives. They want to preserve their wealth, to be sure, to have enough you know, that they need to live on, but they also want to pass uh, along some income or some wealth, some assets to their children in, in many cases. So there's this, you know, gee, how much can I pass along without jeopardizing, uh, you know, the rest of my life? Let's say you're 60 years old even. Um, you have, you know, statistically 20 to 30 years ahead of you. So um, we're going to touch on a moment on how sharing money actually makes you happy, can give you happiness, but you have to make sure that you don't share so much that you're going to, you know, the, the coin's going to flip over and now you're not going to be able to maintain your, your own uh, level of, of comfort. A few other factors that affect happiness are this. Um, how you get rich uh, has an impact on your happiness. Generally speaking, virtually all of the studies show that earning your own wealth gives you more satisfaction, more happiness than by inheriting the money. Inheritances are great, uh, but they're not going to make you happy statistically. Um, things like investing. You know, you're doing the right thing now. You're learning how to invest, or perhaps you're honing your investment skills. Though That type of wealth creation, you'll have some satisfaction in having done that. You start a business, let's say, and you make some money off business, or maybe just saving a share of your earnings, your profits, your wages, your bonuses. These things all will be uh, in the in the factors on what makes you happy, those will be more, they'll have a higher perspective for you than just simply going out and being given a whole bunch of money. Lastly, I'm going to touch on uh, giving your money away. This might sound a little bit counterintuitive, but there is a ton of evidence that suggests that if you can afford it, you know, you're not struggling on a day-to-day -day basis, giving money away will actually provide you with some satisfaction. Uh, let's talk for a moment about Andrew Carnegie, or Carnegie, depending on how you pronounce his name. But he's a Scottish-American businessman, uh, and he made uh, his money in the steel industry. This goes back a lot of years. He donated 90% of his money to charities, and he believes that, and he believed at the time, giving to others leads to greater happiness than spending money on oneself. And there's a lot of empirical evidence that suggests that that, in fact, is the case. We probably are familiar, and if not, I'll familiarize you now with what's called the Giving Pledge. Now, this is a group that was started back in uh, 2010 by uh, Bill Gates and uh, Warren Buffett and 40 others at the, at the uh, outset of that. Today, the Giving Pledge um, has been taken by about 220 pledgers from 25 countries, uh, and they range in age from 30s all the way up into their 90s as it is today. Some of the names that as an investor you're probably familiar with uh, is Ray Dalio and his wife Barbara. They have uh, joined the Giving Pledge and you know they've said, we learned that beyond having enough money to help secure the basics, which are quality relationships, health, stimulating ideas, etc., having more money, well, nice, wasn't all that important. So we found taking our excesses and providing them to others who have extreme shortages has both uh, has been both good an investment for us as well as great satisfaction. Now, Bill Ackman, another name that you're probably familiar with, he says, my earliest memories include my father's exhortations about how important it is to give back. These early teachings were ingrained in me and a portion of the first dollars I earned, I gave away. Over the years, the emotional and psychological returns I have earned from charitable giving has been enormous. The more I do for others, the happier I am. Can money buy happiness? 
maybe not directly, but maybe having those assets and having that money that you can share with others can buy you some happiness. And according to uh, Bill Ackman, that is in fact the case. The last example we're going to look at is Richard Branson, a name you're probably familiar with, and his wife, Joan. Uh, as he wrote, stuff really is not what brings happiness. Family, friends, good health, and the satisfaction that comes from making a positive difference are what really matters. We started uh, by trying to give a voice to young people in the 1960s and hope our giving pledge will help many generations to come. These are perfect examples of people who have created tremendous wealth and uh, you know, are happy to give it back and so the money is turning into happiness. Now, uh, you know, a caveat, it's, you know, if you have $10 billion and you give, uh, say, $9 billion away, you're still left with a billion dollars. None of these people are going to end up struggling to meet their day-to-day -day needs, but it is an example on our own scales how much helping others and helping um, share that wealth can actually provide happiness. So I'm going to summarize some of the pros and the cons. I would say clearly from what we just saw, purpose uh, beats just being rich. Um, the pros of being rich are that you don't have to worry so much about the basics in life. You can do things that other people um, can't do. From a portfolio management perspective, and I think this is really important for investors, is that having created wealth gives you the option in retirement of having a moderate or a balanced portfolio. You don't have to worry about creating a whole bunch of worth uh, of wealth at that point, and so you don't have to necessarily take on um, additional risk. And that um, basically results in a reduced stress level. Less wealth, I would say, leads to the tendency to, be, to take on more risk at exactly the time that you probably shouldn't be. Now, there are some cons, as we learned. One thing I didn't really speak of earlier specifically are, but clearly, the, the losses that you could suffer as a, as a wealthy investor numerically are bigger than the, the losses you would suffer as a younger investor. So imagine you had, say, $10,000 invested and you had a 20% drop in the value of your, of your net worth. Well, that's a $2,000 drop, and yeah, that sucks. Um, but it is probably tolerable for a lot of people, especially as you're continuing to build wealth. Now, if you've managed to accumulate a million dollars in wealth and in, in uh, investable assets, let's say, and you have a 20% loss, well, that same 20% is now going to be obviously you know $200,000. Or if you have a $10 million portfolio, that pr the same 20% is going to be $2 million. And yes, the percentage is the same, and, and that's kind of the language we speak in the business. But a, a $2 million loss, just psychologically, even if you have a lot more, is generally harder to accept than a $2,000 loss. So that's another issue that um, you have to deal with as a wealthier investor. There's quite a bit of evidence, there's quite a bit of studies as to what actually, you know, can money buy happiness. So when we started the, the video, I asked you to pause and answer yes or no. So after having listened to these studies, uh, I'm curious, uh, has anything that you've heard changed your opinion? Is it, uh, you know, has what you've heard solidified your opinion? If you want to go back and amend that comment, um, I find that very interesting to see how the evidence, the sort of the pros and the cons and the, and the, the, the for and against the argument have affected your opinion on this. Um, quick question, uh, in the comments below, this, uh, the videos that I contribute to this channel have tended in the last month or so since I started to be quite technical in nature, lots of charts and graphs and that type of thing. This has been more of a, I guess, a philosophical discussion or more um, sort of high level. So my question is, um, which do you prefer? Um, I can do both. Uh, I know Brandon from occasionally does things like this where he just kind of talks off the top of his head. If this is the type of thing you'd like to hear more from me, let me know. I'm happy to do this. Um, or if you want to sort of use my 
resources more of a technical nature, uh, let me know. I do read the comments. I wish I had time to reply to all of them, but I don't. Um, but I do read them. And as I'm learning um, how to work in this new arena, uh, I take your comments very seriously and I'm going to try as much as I can to, to add those. Um, as always, uh, we have a link below here, which is for a link to our investment academy. And we are excited about a new service that we're going to be putting out starting in the middle of April. So in another week or so, we're going to be having our private member group. And so if you click on the link below, it'll take you to that page and uh, provide you with some information on that if that's something that you're interested in. Lastly, I will say um, this coming Saturday, uh, we're going to have our second in the series of our dividend uh, videos. So we're doing a four part series probably of dividend investing. Last Saturday, the video was, the topic was um, high yielding dividends. We're going to be uh, focusing this coming Saturday on um, dividend growers. So if that's something that you're interested in following, uh, I would encourage you hit the subscribe button and maybe hit that, uh, there's a little bell and you can hit the bell button and then you'll be notified on Saturday morning as soon as the video comes out. You can be one of the first to watch it and uh, look forward to, to having you and, and seeing if we can add some value to your investing experience there as well. So I'm going to wrap up this video. As always, I'm going to say thank you so much for watching. I really do appreciate um, the support that you all give the channel and I look forward to seeing you Saturday morning.